Hey, good morning. This is Coach AA, and welcome to the August 8th edition. Let's just jump straight in. Why kettlebells? Why do we use kettlebells as the primary resistance tool of choice at the quad? And this decision was taken 10 years ago when kettlebells were not that popular in India. In fact, even in the US and rest of the world, it was a very small group of people who used uh, kettlebells. In the late 90s, Powell Satsaline moved from the former USSR to the US and only after that have kettlebells been mainstream, so to speak. Until then, it's just been used by a few strength athletes here and there. We, that is Raj and I, use barbells as our primary tool of choice. And for us to switch to kettlebells was a rather big deal. And let me just walk you through our thought process and why we had to let go of our personal preferences and do what was right rather than what was easier. So why barbells first? Well, simple. Independently, both of us started running because you know when you first find yourself unfit, it almost always is about endurance. You walk up a few flights of stairs or you try to run you know, 100 meters or 200 meters and you feel like crap and you're like, oh my, I'm out of shape. Or you try to you know, bend your lace, uh, bend and tie your shoelaces or sit down and get up. The first thing we tend to move towards is doing some form of endurance training because it's easy, it's accessible. Like going on a walk or going running as opposed to strength training, which today is still frowned upon because people assume strength training with lifting big, right? But marathons, for example, are a lot more accessible in thought because you know somebody who's done a marathon. Even though you know, people have broken the two-hour barrier, that's not what we associate, but when we look at strength training, we assume big guys. Anyway, back to why barbells. We were pretty good at endurance, and then what we realized was strength was a big blocker. We were nowhere near as strong as we were enduring. And the best tool to get strong is the barbell. So for our personal training, that's what we chose. But when we looked at moving to India and starting the quad, analyzing who we were working with, the people we wanted to help, people like me and him, but who did not have the uh, time or interest to figure out what fitness meant, what method and modality to use. And we chose against barbells and we went with kettlebells. Because 
what you need is not absolute strength at the cost of everything else, but what you need is general physical preparation, GPP. You want to do things that have the most carryover effect into everything you do in life. It's sometimes poorly referred to as functional training or whatever, but this is what you want, GPP. Yeah, you build a broad base of skills and it allows you to do whatever. You wanna go play with your kids, you wanna play, run around with your dog, you wanna play some sport, you wanna learn to lift barbells, whatever it is, GPP is where you start. Just like, hey, I can run like that, hey, I can lift a little bit, I have reasonable mobility, I have reasonable speed, I have reasonable agility, reasonable balance, reasonable being the point, but across so many of these facets. And there are about seven reasons uh, off the top of my head that I listed, but I'm gonna share a story. This is a story of uh, Dadless and Icarus. You know the story, you know, the stupid kid who didn't listen to his dad flew too close to the sun and his wings uh, burnt and he fell and died. So Dadless was a master craftsman and he built wings from feathers and wax because they were imprisoned in an island and he wanted to get away. And he had two instructions for his son. We know only one of them. Uh, rather, that's the famous one because he flew too high. So don't fly too high. Well, yeah, the sun's gonna melt your wax. But don't fly too low or they will get wet from the waves. Fly the middle way. Not too high, not too low. Not too heavy, not too light. That's kettlebells. It just is. Yes, you can go pretty heavy, right? Pressing half your body weight, for example, is heavy. But you can do a lot of interesting things with a slightly lighter bell. Even folks like Coach Dan John who have incredible strength, right? He is a big guy. He is uh, about 100 kilos, 6'3". But squatting 220s and squatting 224s uh, with the double kettlebells gives him a great workout without beating him up. And that's the same idea, it applies to us as well. So if 220s do it for Dan John, then 216s are ample to challenge us. Yeah, not, not that we never need to squat, say the 228s or the 232s, but we rarely need to. That's our strength. We can still work on strength with the bell, but we can play a lot in the middle without going too light. Say so what's the 70, 80% zone? Of course, this applies to barbells as well, yeah? But kettlebells just make it easier. So quickly, seven reasons. Number one, do you really need to go that heavy? Not really. While most of us can learn to lift heavy weights and it's fun too, yeah, I love to lift heavy weights. Most of us don't need to, especially at the start. Absolute strength is not necessarily a goal. You don't need to learn to deadlift twice your body weight at the exclusion of everything else, but instead, you can learn to deadlift your body weight 
and you can learn to do cleans and swings and stuff like that, which still grease the same pattern. Yeah? So if there's a big gap in the kettlebell universe versus barbells, it'll be a heavy deadlift. But from my experience and from what I've seen with my students, heavy chain cleans, well, you need a reasonable amount of skill to do, do them. And if you can do them, then whenever you choose to deadlift, you're not, you're not gonna be clueless, okay? So absolute strength is not your primary goal. GPP is your primary goal. So GPP, kettlebells, are the better tool. Second one, you aren't sleeping enough to lift that heavy. Now, lifting a lot of weight requires a lot of recovery work. And at least in the subset of people, the few thousands that I interact with, we don't sleep enough. Number three, kettlebell ballistics. The kettlebell really stands out with its offset center of gravity. While Olympic lifting, say the clean and jerk or the snatch, are ballistics, they are so much more technical and they allow you to lift more weight. And strength is a skill. You don't need to be that skilled. What if you had a slightly easier skill, which is still not a compromise, which is still pretty darn challenging? Again, the swings, the cleans, the snatches, the long cycle clean and jerk, the push press, these are all explosive kettlebell movements that can deliver the same adaptations you are looking for. Again, the middle way, meaning not too heavy, not too light, as opposed to trying to lift way too heavy with Olympic lifts, helps us. And the other thing about force production, force F is equal to M into a mass times acceleration. With the Olympic lifts, the mass is pretty high. The acceleration is still reasonably high, but with the kettlebell, the mass is much lower, but the acceleration is much higher. So the F can be reached in different ways. Of course, I'm not saying lifting real heavy or putting a lot of weight overhead is uh, uh, equal by what the kettlebells do. I'm just saying it's not necessary for most of us. And you're still doing you know, 80, 90% of it by doing kettlebell ballistics. Number four, kettlebells all also have a weird what the hell effect. It's, it's like the RHS and LHS never balance. This is the input, but somehow the output seems to be more. For example, the rite of passage program by Pavel, which is just cleans and presses, improves your squat. But all you do is do some goblet squats as mobility and warm up. But it just does. So the kettlebell has a lot of these kind of effects from fat loss to improve strength while doing minimal strength work or just ballistics, better breathing, better agility, amazing endurance. Yeah, it just adds so much more, which is why, again, going back to GPP, 
carry over and a lot more breadth of attributes. Number five, for most training sessions, you need only one bell for the job. And with the barbell with its, oh, I can add half a kilo, quarter kilo, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes we take that uh, a little too seriously. Some people should, most of us don't need to. Hey, can you pick a bell that you can press five times today? Well, that's pretty simple. Maybe you can press two or three bells for five reps. Well, depending on how you feel, you pick, pick one. Oh, I can press the 24 on a good day. Today's not a good day. I think I'll go with the 16. Sure, you can still get a solid workout with it. So lesser decisions. Number six, barbells, kettlebells, dumbbells, right? Why one tool? Well, see, the dumbbell versus kettlebell is straightforward. Everything a dumbbell can do, a kettlebell can do. Plus, there's the offset center of gravity plus the ballistics. Barbells versus kettlebell, well, it's a very, very different choice. For us, for GPP and not absolute strength, the winner was clear. Once again, remember, still, whether you back squat double body weight or you can do double kettlebell front squats with your body weight, is still a pretty amazing feat. So it, it is not a subpar thing at all. But if, you, if absolute strength is what you're going for and that leads to your sport or whatever, that's where you need to use barbells. But for 99% of us, you can still get crazy strong and good with kettlebells and much faster with them as well. And why not have both? Well, choices. For us, I think decision-making, we cripple ourselves with too many choices. GPP, kettlebells, middle way, well, it is the best, simplest choice. And again, it's not that you should never use barbells in your training. If you've been training, uh, especially with us or with kettlebells for a few years, you're strong enough, you've hit some reasonable benchmarks that Powell or Dan John uh, have written up, or you can check out some of my standards based on the numbers I've seen with the uh, you know, people we've trained. You can totally go explore the world of barbells. But if you know what you're doing with a kettlebell, you probably don't even need to. Well, that's the first post. Let's move on to three quotes. First one's from Jordan Peterson. Start to stop doing what you know to be wrong. Start stopping today. Don't waste time questioning how you know that what you're doing is wrong if you're certain that it is. Inopportune questioning can confuse without enlightening as well as deflecting you from action. You can know that something is wrong or right without knowing why. Your entire being can tell you something that you can neither explain nor articulate. Every person is too complex to know themselves completely and we all contain wisdom that we cannot comprehend. Start to stop doing what you know to be wrong. Start stopping today. This is simple and powerful advice. 
I am one of those guys who spend way too much time in my head questioning and re-questioning and analyzing and blah, blah, blah. Yes, of course, there are complex things that require more thought, but many times we confuse chatter with thought. And if you feel it in your gut, just go with it. Don't need to. For example, something I know to be wrong is opening another browser while I'm writing a post. It's wrong because it distracts me. It's wrong because I, there's no reason to do it. Such a small, simple thing, but every time I can do this, I get my post done faster. I am happier with so many things when I can do this. So there are tons of small things like this where I can start. And maybe they'll all snowball into making the thought process easier for the more complex things. Let me know what you think. The second quote from Marcus Aurelius, the last great uh, Roman emperor. This one's from Meditations. It's highly, highly recommended by so many people. And it's easy to see why, because the honesty, the earnestness, the humility with which he writes this. It's his personal journal. He never intended for it to be published, by the way. This guy is the emperor of the largest empire in the world, and he's writing about you know, his fragility, his thoughts. It's just beautiful. Here is the quote I picked from him. You have a mind? Yes. Well, why not use it? Isn't that all you want for it to do its job? End quote. Final one from Stephen Pressfield. The amateur believes that before she can act, she must receive permission from some omnipotent other, a lover or spouse, a parent, a boss, a figure of authority, end quote. I took forever to start writing this blog or recording this stuff because I wasn't sure what I wanted to write about. I didn't really want to write about fitness stuff only. I didn't want to write about technical stuff. There are so many people doing it, doing it so well, and I just didn't feel that was my angle. I didn't feel that was what I truly wanted to express. And so I wasted quite a few years instead of just trying something. And finally, one day, during lockdown, I just started writing. I still do not have answers to most of the questions that delayed me, like who am I writing for? What is the larger purpose? How many people do I want to reach? What do I want to get out of it? Nothing. I just want to write. And maybe a year is too long a time to have not figured it out, but I don't care. Yet, I am getting something out of it. I don't know what. I don't measure it. But I get something out of it. So even if nobody reads or listens, because in the grand scheme of things, Maybe five people are reading and listening, but it's five people. And it's me as well getting to voice out my thoughts and hear back from these five people. It's one small step towards 
something at least towards better articulation and self-growth for myself. So don't let, don't waste time waiting for permission. Just start doing what you know you want to do. You can figure it out later. All right, the final post about the guilt pattern are many patterns that we repeat and what we can do about it. Let me set context by talking about uh, our dog. A dog, uh, she's a rescue, you know, mongrel from the streets. So the first two months, we're not really sure, but she is a survivor, right? Like most puppies die on the road, but the ones who do, well, they know how to get food and they know how to create a safe space for themselves. So there's a little bit of food aggression she has. The first few months, oh, she was, she was a little crazy. But over the last year and a half, we've kind of sort of figured it out. Uh, my wife has really worked on uh, training her. And this has mellowed her down. But one thing we've noticed is she gets angry when she's hungry. Yeah, just like most of us, she gets angry. She barks and she turns into, you know, that old personality of hers. She behaves like a complete ass. But the thing is, it's not her fault. At the beginning, we didn't realize, you know, she was getting hangry. But slowly, by figuring out good days and bad days, like uh, walking her by 4 in the evening and then feeding her, you know, by 5, 5.30, we realized it made for a lot more calmer day. She was more chill. Um, she would play with us after. And she's just better behaved. Whatever her trauma is, it is centered around food. And anytime we miss her schedule, let's say I have work and my wife's not uh, in the house and between the two of us, we don't stick to the schedule. We don't tire her out and we don't feed her. Or she gets crazy. Uh, by seven in the evening, for example, on the days when we've forgotten to feed her, oh my, you know, she's, she's glaring and growling uh, at you. And initially, we'd get angry at her, being like, hey, idiot, we're not going to eat your food. Well, she doesn't understand English. And to think about it, when I get hangry or when you get hangry, we are not reasonable people. So why would I expect my dog to be reasonable? It's just when I figured out, it's just a simple pattern. Feed her on time after tiring her out equals a happy dog. Delay her food equal to activating her food aggression and trauma equal to an angry dog. And it's funny how this applies to all of us. All of us are pattern machines, okay? You press one button and you do this. You press another and you exhibit a different set of actions and behaviors. You can use this to your advantage. Let me detail out a couple of extremely common behaviors and patterns I see. Cravings. You have a poor lunch, you don't sleep well, well, around four o'clock, you're gonna open your fridge and munch on a bunch of things. It's a pattern. If it's not four, well, it's six. 
you know, you are hungry and you lose control and you do this repeatedly. Another, let's say you're going to a party and you're not going to drink. But as soon as you go there, your friends are having a good time and you end up drinking and uh, you feel guilty. Or you're not planning on a treat day, you're on a strict diet. But then you catch up with your friends and then you end up eating a bunch of things. Oh, the guilt, the guilt kills. Right? Now, all of these are patterns that are not unique or, you know, first time. Let's deal with the cravings one, right? You have a poor lunch. You know you're going to get hungry. Figure out a good snack. Bad lunch equal to I'm going to have, I don't know, coconut water and the coconut flesh at 3 o'clock or buttermilk at 3 o'clock or something like that. Have a pattern add something to this pattern and break out of that cravings loop. You're going to a party, you're not going to drink. Well, sure, you can totally be at a party and chill without drinking. Yeah, especially if every night is a social night. Well, you need to learn to be social without drinking and eating crap. But you don't need to skip every night. You don't even need to skip every night for, you know, a month or something. So when do things go poorly? Well, things go poorly when you really want to and you're not allowing yourself to. Well, how about you have a great week and so going into the social evening, you can let go. Or just volunteer to be the designated driver and be responsible. You cannot drink. It's great. Figure out something else to do but it's a choice that's already made. There is no reason to feel like you're missing out. Yeah, It's not like life is ending. It's not like there'll never be another social. Yeah, Or sometimes you aren't sure. You kind of want to drink, but you're trying to lose weight again. Well, see how often you break the rules. You do it too much? Well, shut up, follow the plan, but I'll have more leeway in the plan. Right? In three months, how many times do you get these cravings? Oh, eight times? Oh, okay. How about you have a plan where every weekend you can chill? That's 12 times. You just plan it, right? Have a good time. But you need to get out of this good uh, guilt pattern. Maybe not such a strict diet. Maybe a relaxed version. Or maybe you get your protein and vegetables before going out. So you've still done some good stuff and you can go have a good time. Train in the morning, eat your proteins and veggies in the afternoon, go out in the evening. Yeah, or do that for five days and then the weekend of, I don't know, tons of cake. It's your birthday, sure. Or it's your friend's birthday, your wife's birthday, whatever it is. Have a great week before and after around it. Not to compensate or anything like that, but just exhibiting great behavior until then, instead of trying so hard to miss out on that one night. And remember, when you fail to follow the plan, don't get frustrated. Find the pattern that you failed. The guilt, the blame, the annoyance, you can skip all of that and just eat the cake, have fun, and in case sometimes you break the pattern, 
you know, you end up doing something you didn't plan for, well, okay, the next week is still there. What can you control? Well, you can go back to being on the plan, not if the plan's 100 swings, you don't need to go do 1,000 swings the next day. Just stay consistent, extra consistent for the next two weeks. Like my dog getting hangry, you can get out of this guilt and beating yourself up. Stop there. And it starts with you looking at your patterns. Well, that's it from me. You guys go and have a great Sunday. I hope this was useful. Thank you for listening. This is Coach AA signing off. I'll see you next week. Bye.